Welcome back to Afterburner, the Project Boom podcast. I'm Allison Gundrum, a senior at Mount Horeb High School, a systems integration team member, and the producer of Afterburner. This week, we catch you up on the work our team is doing to get our first foam model in the air and talk to Gonzalo Espinoza Graham, the world's first and only flying car salesman, about the future we have to look forward to as a generation of scrappy engineers who aren't afraid to iterate and innovate enter the workforce. For all this and more, stay tuned for this week's episode of Afterburner. Welcome back to Afterburner. I'm your host, Shiva Valbanani, a rising, or not a rising senior anymore, a senior in aerospace engineering at Purdue University. And with me today is Colin Watson. Colin Watson is our founder and project lead here at Project Boom, and will be starting his second year at University of Oklahoma as well. So I think both of us just started school this past few days. So Colin, tell me a little bit how everything's going. Going really good. Yep, I just started my sophomore year. I've pretty much gone to every class at this point. But it's very weird with COVID to see everybody with masks and we're all sitting in these giant lecture halls six feet apart from each other. It's different, but we're all coping. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm, I'm more excited to see how long we last on campus. See who drops out first. Yeah. Uh, your university or mine. Yeah, I know, right? I, I don't have much hope, honestly. I don't think it'll be very long before we're all online. Most of my classes are online anyway. I think I have two in person. Yeah, I think for me, the only class that I really have in person is bowling, which, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm taking that this, this semester just as a fun class, you know, senior year, go out with a bang. Um, but hey, Colin, while we're at it, what's new this week in Project Boom? So we got through our town hall, and now we're moving forward with a couple different designs or design options for the aircraft. So in mid-September, we're preparing for our first avionics test. We're going to do that with a full-scale foam model, and then um, our avionics system is going to be integrated into that. So that's super exciting. Our avionics lead, Minos, is flying out to Oklahoma State University um, to work with the team there on the ground and get that aircraft flying. So that's super exciting. We're also ramping up for mid-September. On September 14th, we'll be launching our official Indiegogo campaign. So keep your eye out for that if you want to support our project. Like we said, we're 100% privately funded. We're not correlated with any university. So we get all of our funding through private um, resources like Indiegogo. So if you want to support us, go check that out on September 14th. There'll be cool opportunities to get some t-shirts, some hats, some really cool exclusive Indiegogo Project Boom merch. Yeah, it's really super, it's super exciting to roll all that out. And I think especially in these last few weeks after town hall, and now that we have a chance to kind of breathe, it's really cool to see now, you know, figuring out what the next steps are, especially with the foam model. Um, I know we talked about this last time, but I'm really excited to see this plane kind of look and be in, in the real world. I know Jonathan, our aerodynamics lead, has bought all the foam and he's carving it out. And we, we actually even have a wing done. So if you, are, if you are on LinkedIn, you can check that out as well. Colin, is there anything else that uh, we missed for Project Boom this week? You know, we got the website going. We got a lot of cool things coming up. Yep. Uh, a lot of really cool partnerships, uh, really cool companies that we're working with. So uh, last week, I hinted at a company that we were going to be working with. And I guess I'll go ahead and announce it. Hermes Hypersonics. Their team has been super supportive of us. 
and their engineers are working with ours um, to help us with the design of our propulsion system. So that's super exciting. They're going to meet our entire team this Sunday at our general meeting. So that's super exciting. Right. And if you want a little background on Hermius, they are a hypersonic vehicle startup. So they are developing Mach 5 aircraft to essentially connect the world. So they have been doing some really cool things. And I think one of the biggest reasons or hopes that uh, we have working with Hermius is with our propulsion system. Because yep. so they're developing a Mach 5 aircraft and we're trying to go Mach 1. But for us to create something that's small of a size, they have some really cool insights, uh, especially with like developing a small afterburner. For sure. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a great asset to our team. So we're all extremely excited about that. But that's the main thing here in the Project Boom world. Everybody's going back to school, so everybody's getting settled in, but we're still hard at work working on our project, which is super exciting. All right, coming right up, we have a very special guest. So fasten your seatbelts. It's time for liftoff. As a student-led initiative attempting a task that has never been accomplished, it is important that we tell the story of this incredible project from the start. A group of highly motivated kids from all over the world facing more than one barrier. The sound barrier is just the destination. This is the journey. Welcome to Afterburner. All right, what's up guys? Today we have Gonzalo Espinoza Graham, joining us on the show. So Gonzalo is an entrepreneur and the founder of Wattfly, a Canadian startup working on eVTOL technologies to bring flying cars to the market. eVTOL, if you don't know, is electronic vertical takeoff and landing. So essentially flying cars. So graduating from the University of Waterloo with a Bachelor's of Applied Science, Gonzalo has also furthered his education through Stanford's D School as well as obtaining a certificate for business administration and management from NYU. Gonzalo has established himself as an engineer through his work with the design and development of the Model S, Model X, and Model 3 while at Tesla. On top of that, Gonzalo was active on a Reddit Hyperloop team, working with the Aero and the Structures team, advising on the design and manufacturing process. So I'm sure I'm missing a lot of Gonzalo's achievements here, but it's awesome to have him on the show today with his experience as the founder of Wattfly, as well as his work with Tesla, Hyperloop, and so many other design projects. I can't wait to dive deeper, deeper into his journey and really get into what it takes to start a startup. Gonzalo, welcome to the show. Glad to have you back. Thanks, Shiva. So excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and this is most definitely not attempt two at recording this. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> How are you guys? Nice to meet you guys. Yeah, yeah so, right. Uh, we recorded a while back, uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, we Colin was a little sneezy that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so we saved you guys' ears and not so you didn't have to listen to me blowing my nose for an hour straight. I think we should but, do like uh, you know behind the scenes. We yeah we're we're gonna we have so many bloopers we have like an hour's worth of bloopers at this point so we should release that on YouTube or something at some point. Uh, I want to start. Uh, so, so you mentioned about, you talked about Wattfly, you said EVTOL. First of all, it's electric vertical takeoff and landing, uh, which is probably right. the part that electric aviation is finally happening. 
Uh, and I want to talk a bit about flying cars and why we say we build flying cars. That's because Wattfly is all about uh, bringing down the barriers around aviation. So flying is the most efficient ways of transportation. If you want to go from one point to another, you should fly. Um, but flying is it, it's very restricted. Most people don't fly, right? It's very expensive to own an aircraft, to operate. Uh, it's not safe. Uh, and then you need you know, jet fuel and a, and a runway and all these things that most people do not have. So we're making a flying car in the sense that it's an aircraft that like a car, most people can afford, most people can drive, it's safe and it's practical. So that's why we say we're making flying cars. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, you're like the only flying car salesman in America, right? Yeah, uh, I do own the trademark for flying car salesman. So if anyone wants to become a flying car salesman, they can come to my flying car salesman school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, and I, I gotta say, before we start, you know, if anyone um, listening to this has not watch the town hall from last week i think they should pause and watch that first because uh, i was personally blown away just blown away by you know just watching all that your team has achieved in such a short period of time uh, and just the technical depth of it it was it was really rich i, I haven't seen anything like that uh, not open source not by students anywhere awesome thank you yeah you guys can find that on our youtube um, or on our website there's a link there so it's about two hours long but it's well worth it it's worth it yeah well, thank you so much for that. I Before we get into it, I really wanted to dive in and ask, how did you become an engineer or how did you end up at Wattfly and starting that? What were the, I guess, key points that led you to become a flying car salesman? Yeah, uh, so it all started in high school. This was 2012. It was my last year in high school. And I actually was in, taking high school in Peru, in South America. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I thought Elon was already talking about landing rockets and making rockets reusable, but they, they were not doing it yet. So I thought like, oh, this is really cool. I, that's what I want to do. So I'm going to go study engineering uh, and I'm going to go do that. So I, I came to Canada, I started studying engineering at the University of Waterloo. And, you know, first year, uh, during the first time I was looking for an internship, I figured out SpaceX is not going to hire me uh, because I'm, I'm kind of like a, a foreign uh, person. Uh, so that was like a the heartbreaker but anyways I, I just kept going and i still had the drive for aerospace uh and during my first year in university i started a submarine racing team a human power submarine racing team um and that that was like my first kind of like uh, encounter with entrepreneurship and engineering and managing a team of engineers uh, after that you know i went to intern at tesla uh, i work at tesla like you mentioned uh, and during my time there so i spent there from 2016, 2017, 2018, I met a, a bunch of cool people, but I also found out that, you know, when you're an engineer at a large company, you don't have a lot of say on the, on the product or in the direction that the company goes to. You own a very small part of the system. All, all your impact is basically around that part. So I thought that wasn't for me. Uh, just based on my experience during university, I thought I had much more to offer or at least uh, much more creativity. So that's when I started you know, I paired with a friend who also worked at Tesla. I was like, hey, let's, uh, let's go flying cars. And that's, that's basically how it started. That's, uh, wow. yeah, that's so cool. That's an interesting point of view. It's kind of scary, I think, as someone um, who likes being creative and stuff, hearing that about industry. But I think it's yeah. good to know that Which for a lot of people going in. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, because uh, at university, like any project you're on or you do for class, like you have full creative control over that. So that's what we're used to. And I think that's what students expect going into industry. It's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go build a rocket. But it's like, no, you're not building a rocket. You're building that bolt or that panel on that rocket, right? Which is a little disheartening, but also that's why you should go work for Wattfly, right? 
Yeah, I would say so. Uh, we do, uh-huh. we, <laughs> we do operate by those principles of like, um, you know, most people should have a, a say and uh, we, we keep a lean team so that everyone has a ton of work and also a ton of impact. Uh, yeah. We are also hiring. Um, yeah, but yeah, when I say creativity, I don't mean compromising on safety. Absolutely not. Yep. But I, the, the other point is challenging the dogmas and things that the ideas that we have been following just because that's the way we've always done things and always resonating from first principles. If you do that, you know, there's, there's a lot of gains to be done here and there basically, but yeah, don't compromise on safety, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, just be clear. I'm not like dogging on Tesla's or companies like Tesla and stuff because there's nothing like, there's nothing wrong with how that, that engineering companies like that are set up. It's just how it has to be. It's the nature of the thing. Yeah way but uh right you can't have a successful company where one person is doing a lot of things i think we're learning that on project boom a lot recently as well as we continue to grow and continue to develop the aircraft i know for at least colin it's like he can't continue doing all the minute details or you know yeah it's you have to have and it's better that way because you allow people to be specialized in specific areas so like they're really good at doing like that one thing rather than someone that's like mediocre at everything, which is kind of what like, I think a project lead or a project manager is, is like they understand everything and they're like, all right at it, but that's their ability to understand it and have conversations is what is important. Their job is to kind of manage it all and organize it rather than be able to actually design it. Yeah, I mean, I would say for Tesla, like, and, and more recently, even Neuralink, you guys know Neuralink? Or, uh, yeah, yeah, the new uh, startup of Elon's even- or... Yes, they're kind of like connecting your brain with a computer, uh, not to only have input, but also output, uh, both ways communication at super high speeds. So it's super cool. Uh, and even then, like recently, th- they've been having a lot of controversy from, you know, ex-employees saying like, hey, you're not following every safety practice and so on. I think what happens is when you're innovating at a rapid pace and moving fast, uh, you're going to make a lot of people uncomfortable, especially people that have been working in that field for so long. Yep. Uh, but that's basically how innovation uh, happens. Um, yeah, it, it is tricky to balance it with safety, of course. Um, you know, you have people involved, you have uh, health concerns and so on, but, but that's just uh, how innovation happens, I would yeah. say. Right. So I guess it sounds to me that you are somebody who um, is, was really inspired by the advancements of Elon and Tesla and some of those companies, but also someone who really values that independence and creative thought. And that's kind of like what led you to maybe do some of those those design teams that we talked about, as well as, I guess, eventually leading to Wattfly. Yeah, I mean, I'm a bit older than that. So uh, growing up, we didn't have Elon. Uh, I was more of a Steve Jobs person. Uh, oh, yeah. but I, I, I did got trained at one of Elon's company. So uh, I think, yeah, I think I do resonate with a lot of the things he says, but it, it goes beyond Tesla, beyond Elon. It, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's just kind of like a law of physics at this point, at least a law of business. Um, yeah. there, there's something to be said about large companies and you know how bad they are at innovating. Yeah, which is like, yeah, it's a, I keep, I can't remember if we talked about this already or if that was on the last podcast where it didn't get posted because I was sneezing, but I'll say it anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's kind of the nature of the beast. Like you can't really control it to an extent. It's very hard whenever I think a company grows to keep innovating innovating because it gets scary too because whenever you're paying bills for hundreds of thousands of people and um, every decision you make as a higher up at 
an executive at any one of those companies. Like it affects so many people and then your company and your shareholders, that kind of thing. It's very scary to innovate. Yeah, I mean, that is true. Uh, and you have a lot of companies that will back that up. But you also have counter examples like Amazon. I would say Amazon is huge, um, almost a $2 trillion company and still highly innovative. Uh, so yeah. that's awesome. But then I look at other companies, uh, you know, Apple, people like to say it's not innovating anymore. They, I feel like they just, you know, they have a bunch of tech that they have planned, but for them to make the bang for their buck, they got to just roll out each new update super slowly. Yeah. yeah. People, people will pay for it. Right? It's business. That's coming yeah. from Shiva, who's on a MacBook right now with a iPhone <laughs> and Apple yeah. AirPhones in. It's like, hey, man, it's the ecosystem. It's yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, my, kind of like my other example and you know kind of controversial because i know you guys work with in the aerospace industry and have a lot of partners but looking at boeing i do think boeing like kind of like dropped the ball uh heavily and i'm not just talking about the 737 just in general uh if you look 20 years back basically if you like look up, up in the sky and there's something flying it's most likely that it's a boeing aircraft and they kind of had a monopoly in that field now that's not what's going on yeah they have the commercial airliners but you know you have all these startups doing the supersonic stuff, all these startups doing the smaller EV toll flying car stuff, um, startups doing electric aviation. And, and then you don't hear much from Boeing. You don't hear much from Airbus. So I kind of like, I think they, they've been a big team of their own success in a way in commercial aviation. That's their cash cow. That's where they got the money from, but they also like dropped the ball in innovating. Right. And if they don't continue to innovate and keep up with all these disruptions in the industry, like supersonic or hypersonic, yeah, it's really it's gonna be critical uh, for them in the next few years. If you look at the space industry, it's like what SpaceX did. They came in from nothing, and then now they're the ones who are getting all of the big government contracts. Yeah, and there's still there's that, and then there's still Blue Origin coming up in the next couple of years, and that's just gonna be another big hit on the legacy um, companies. But I think it's definitely like everybody else was playing catch up against like Boeing and all the legacy companies like Northrop, Lockheed, because they were so far ahead. They've been established for 60 years. But now it's it's getting to that point where it feels like in certain areas, it's starting to flip. And now those companies are having to play catch up because they've kind of sat on their um, like their gold mine for too long and it's kind of run out. Yeah. I mean, maybe what's happening too, it's... Uh a lot of the software practices are dripping down to hardware. So software is much faster paced because, you know, there's less inertia. You're not moving atoms or yeah. and so on. And they have, you know, the lean methods and so on. And then a lot of uh, really talented young people want to work at startups because it's really cool. And, you know, they move fast. There are a lot of, there's a lot of perks. So I think that's some of that is dripping into hardware as well. So maybe these companies look super slow for us because, you know, compared to software and all these startups, they look slow, but, They've always moved at that speed, maybe. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, aerospace is traditionally, uh, what, horizontally integrated. So each, each company, you know, subcontracts something, they subcontract something until um, everyone has to take a cut from it. And from there, that makes a process that could be a year, multiple years. Yeah. Now, I got to say, that's part of the reason why I think what you guys are doing is so cool. And when I first uh, heard about, you know, Project Boom on Reddit, I thought it was awesome because, it, you know, you have like these, all these students working mostly part-time, putting together a hypersonic aircraft, um, which is something like even like huge companies would struggle with. And you guys are doing it, you know, part-time uh, throughout the world. So it's a remote team uh, with, with a tiny budget. 
um, and in a really fast time. So yeah, that, that's, that's insane. I think we, I think the cool thing about us and it's been so it's helped us a lot is like, we don't have to play by any rules other than like laws and regulations, obviously. But like, other than that, like there are no guidelines. So we get to reach out and get advice from whoever we want. Like we said, like our advising team is like very diverse and very deep. Um, and that allows us to see a whole bunch of different perspectives. Like if you're working at Boeing or something, like you only get to talk to people at Boeing most of the times because it's a competition. Um, as a student team, we're not competing against anybody other than ourselves and just physics. So people are willing to help us. So of course, like it's not just us, like people are willing to help us and we're so thankful for all of that. Um, but that's why also I encourage more students to do projects like this. Like people want to help um, and just the experiences you get from it are so rewarding. Right. And I think that opportunity, especially with Project Boom, is really awesome. Going on from that, uh, Gonzalo, I really wanted to ask a more pointed question about Wattfly. Since so many students I see at Purdue uh, that I talk to, they're like, I'm going to start a company one day. I'm going to, I want to start a drone company or an asteroid mining company or, you know, whatever that might be. And what I'm really more interested in, in is what does that process look like to just take an idea and, and start it as a company. And I guess that goes through a lot of things with funding or, even just having the idea being backed and, and established. And I know for you, especially flying cars, like somebody's gonna, if somebody told me that, I'll be like, all right, I'm kind of skeptical. So what's that process on, or how did you, I guess, get the original idea for Wattfly and then go about making that dream a reality? Yeah, um, okay. So, I mean, the first idea was kind of like, it, it at least it felt really obvious. Um, so, like I said, working at Tesla, uh, you could kind of see that you know electric cars are now the thing. Y you might not have realized it yet, but electric cars have won the war. Um, in 10, 20 years, every car will be electric, and, and that's just something that's going to happen. Tesla's uh, worth four hundred billion dollars now. <laughs> Tesla will be worth one trillion dollars like before you know it, one hundred percent. Uh, so yeah, so it was like, okay, so, so we won the war with electric cars. So what's next? Uh, and usually, you know, the way it happens is at least the way it happens now, uh, it's like, yeah, so first cars, and then kind of like you get to an energy density that's good enough for aviation, and then you do aviation. And then one day someone remembers that, oh, we also have boats, and then someone electrifies boats. That hasn't happened yet, but uh, it was kind of clear, like, oh, you know, the tech for cars is pretty good. We should apply it to flying. Okay. Um, and the energy densities are not great. So it's not like you're gonna replace a jet a commercial jetline, jetliner. Um, so it was like, okay, so we're looking at smaller aircraft, but we have the advantage of being electric. So we can do things like a distributed powertrain and stuff like that. So now we have different kinds of airframes. And you know, now we can make a really small aircraft that doesn't need a runway. And that's that's how, how kind of like we got the ball rolling around the uh, flying car idea. Um, back then we didn't call it a flying car. We could just call it like, an electric aircraft but um yeah and i would say yeah so that was the idea i would say you know if you ever want to start a company or you want to start a project or you want to start anything you need a team so yeah you can have an idea you also want to find a team um hopefully someone that complements your skills of course and who's just as passionate about your idea uh and once you have those two things uh you use whatever money at least in the hardware world use whatever money you have saved up 
to build some kind of prototype that will show someone, oh yeah, this could work. Uh, and that person will, you know, kind of like fund you um, and give you more money. And you kind of iterate these a couple of times till you actually build a tech demonstrator uh, or, or a prototype, you build a prototype. Uh, you go so into a little bit more detail even of like day one, like when you sat down and you're like, I'm going to start like a flying car company. Like, yeah. What did you do? How did you go and file your paperwork? Like, how did you decide all the, make all those decisions? Yeah. Okay. So day one was of, like, of course, all on paper. You, you first don't build anything. You kind of like figure out what's possible and what's not just again, from basic, basic principles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you really want to, you know, you, you don't just want to build something because you think it's cool. Um, you know, that, that kind of works for some things, but generally you don't want to do that. You want to actually feel, uh, fix a problem. Um, so there's all kinds of problems you can fix around aviation. For example, like, Oh, uh, a lot of the, I think it's 2% of the, um, greenhouse gases comes from the aviation industry. So you could say, Oh, I'm going to electrify aviation. Um, you could say, you know, um, you know, traffic sucks and, you know, we should be flying. It's much, much better, but there's no aircraft that can like, kind of like work for everybody right now. So that's another one kind of like far out, but still kind of works. So at least defining like your initial goals and parameters of what problem you're trying to solve. Yeah. Um, in our case, we're in an intersection of different problems and that's because the problem ultimately we want to solve is that, you know, people like driving on the ground sucks and we want faster speeds. We want to be able to support faster travel speeds. Uh, but to get to that future where we're all flying, a bunch of things need to happen first. Uh, so we're not focusing on that problem right now. We're focusing on another problem uh, around like, oh, flying is really hard. So, okay, maybe we can have a computer to make it uh, easier. Or, you know, you can finally own a cheap aircraft that's um, beach hole. Um, so that's an, another thing. And we're kind of bundling those value propositions in a way. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's cool. The whole like attacking one problem at a time is something I've definitely figured out like with this project too, at least yeah. personally, like even if it's day-to-day stuff, like if you have a list of things, which I know a lot of people have said this, like if you have a list of things to do today, which is what, how I kind of run my day is like every morning I sit down, have a cup of coffee and I go through everything I need to do that day for like school with the project. And then whenever I actually sit down to do that stuff, like I do it one thing at a time and I ignore everything else on that list until that one thing's done because that takes away a lot of stress. And I think that moves up into companies and stuff of you got to focus on one thing because if you try to focus on everything at once, you're like, you'll fail. And, you know, that's kind of like the interesting thing of like how you keep a remote team that's spread throughout the world focused. And, and that's one thing you guys are doing really well. And I think that's, that's going to be a huge part of, you know, the value you guys create. Like, yeah, you're making a supersonic aircraft. That's, that's super cool. But you've also figured out a, a framework for having, you know, all these people working towards a common goal, uh, you know, as volunteers and part-time and so on. Uh, I think that's huge. And you can use that same framework to tackle any problem you want uh, in the future. Yeah. And if anybody's ever listening to this, like right now or in the future, and you want to learn how we did it, well, one, join our team and be a part of it. And two, I'm always, I'm available to talk and share our knowledge because um, a huge thing here at Project Boom is we want to inspire other students to do the exact same thing. So we want to help out in whatever way we can. I, I'm sure you'll write a book on it one day. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, right? Yeah, I, it's really powerful because, uh, you, know, you know, if you want to tackle a problem uh, and yeah, you have the skills and so on, you still need someone to give you money. And if there's, at the end of fixing that problem, there's no more money. To be evil made. word, money. 
Right. So, so Gonzalo, you have to essentially build a team around Wattfly, I guess. And then after you got, I guess, those initial people, what was the next step? I know right now Colin and I are thinking about how are we going to fund this project? So yeah. was that the kind of line of thought that you guys were at or were you working on more of the technical details? Uh, no, so no, uh, we didn't get too technical at first. Um, there, there was no point, um, for, at least for us, because you know what we were talking about was so far out that even if we showed people, look, look at all these analyses, look at all these papers, it actually works. Uh, no one was going to read it first of all, uh, because you know who are you guys? Like you're two, two very young engineers. Um, like yeah, I'm not. <laughs> this is probably a joke. I can't trust this. Uh, so for us, the path was uh, we started pitching at you know, startup pitch competitions. Um, and we, we aim for the smallest check. So we, I think we won like $5,000. Uh, and that didn't take much. It only took a few renders uh, and, and, you know, a, a nice presentation and that was it. And then that $5,000, we used to build the first drone we've ever built, um, which was tiny. It was like only a two feet wingspan drone. And we got, we got it flying to prove our uh, flight controller and avionics system. And that was kind of like a leap. Like somehow now people knew that we could make things that fly. Um, so suddenly like people that did not believe in us, now they were like, okay, this might work. Um, and again, like I said, you repeat that process. So with that flying drone, we got a bunch of cool footage. It was flying around. We actually flew it in front of some people. Uh, and we used that to pitch at a bigger competition. This time it was $50,000 $50, and we won it. And then we used that money. Wow, that's a lot. That's super cool. Where are yeah. these competitions at? I want to go to these competitions. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> actually, only for the University of Waterloo. So we have a great ecosystem here. Uh, oh. Velocity, we have our own incubator. Uh, and yeah, they support all kinds of ideas, including flying cars. That's uh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And we have, you know, it's, it's great because, you know, there's a bunch of unicorns that have come out of uh, Waterloo. Um, and they kind of like pay it back and they come and support new ambitious projects like, like Wildfly. But anyways, we grabbed that money and what we did was we built an even larger drone. So we went from two feet wingspan to eight feet wingspan uh, and same process basically. But once you're bigger and you kind of like you're bigger than a person, again, like from an engineering point of view, it doesn't really make a lot of sense because you're flying based on this, basically the same principles, but people took it way more seriously. You know, when you see these giant thing flying around, it's like, oh, wow, <laughs> you guys are actually doing it. Um, and yeah, and that's where we were December last year. Okay. Uh, and then we closed another check. Um, and this one is to build a full scale aircraft. So that's what we're doing now. Uh, and actually last night we just finished uh, building the the carbon fiber cockpit and I sat in it for the first time and it was, it was the most rewarding thing I've done, you know, maybe ever. Cause that's like, it took like three years to get here. Um, you guys right. do that layup yourself? Yeah, we do every single step of layups ourselves. That's kind of like our forte. Yeah, do you, uh, did you vacuum bag it or did you just do it? Yeah, no, of course you, you have to, you have to vacuum bag it. Um, yeah. the, the, the real question really is, do you do, do you do a wet layup or a, or an infusion? Uh, mm -hmm. But we're, we're doing wet layups right now under vacuum. Um, yeah, what uh, else? That's very, that's cool that you guys. Have, have uh, so for, for our listeners at home, can you explain what uh, vacuum bagging and layups are? Yeah. So, I mean, basically to make carbon fiber parts, so it's carbon fiber reinforced polymer. Um, so to make these parts, you basically grab carbon fiber uh, fabric, which is kind of like cloth. Um, 
and then you throw um, liquid plastic. Let's call it liquid plastic. So, yeah. so an epoxy system, for example, which will harden over time. Um, and then once it hardens and once it cures, you're gonna get this composite material, which has part uh, properties of the carbon fiber and part properties of the plastic uh, you put on it. Um, and to make sure you know your fibers are really wet with plastic uh, and you have a a good you don't, you don't want to have too many too much epoxy on your with your carbon that that ratio matters for performance uh, performance properties uh, that's why you apply vacuum kind of thing first of all you get a nice even distribution on your fibers so that epoxy contains low you also get shape it to the um, shape of your mold so it's it's a nice part with a nice surface finish um, I don't know. That's it's, that's it's kind of hard to picture it. I'm, yeah. I'm probably a terrible job describing it. It's like if you ever, uh, what is that, where you take paper and you like make stuff out of it? Is it paper with glue and stuff? It's literally the exact same process. Yeah. It's the same. Like the paper mache or paper mache. Yeah, it's, it's the exact same process as paper mache, pretty much. It's yeah, a lot of manufacturing processes. I mean, yeah, you can only form atoms in like so many ways, but yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> true. Um, that's really cool is there a place on social media that people can go and see a picture of that yeah if you go on instagram and search for what fly uh, okay. or what underscore fly we actually post time lapses of every single day at our workshop um so you'll see how how hard uh it is to actually pull these parts and how long it takes uh but yeah we walk you through every single step of the process so you can see you know you can follow it um and that's something I think a lot of aerospace companies are doing nowadays, like um, being more transparent. Yeah, because it's so cool, right? Like no, uh, people don't get to see the, usually these things happen behind uh, closed doors at, at like some huge companies. Right. Uh, They're always kind of shrouded in mystery. Yeah. So now you get to see it. We actually bring people uh, over to the workshop all the time. Now, kind of, we don't we don't have AC and it, it's the middle of the summer here. So it gets super hot, but uh, we do try to show it to people and you know, kind of like have them look at the, get them familiar with the process because you know most people haven't seen it, uh, and that usually, you know, that lands us really good deals with investors and like more followers. Uh, so yeah, that's that's great. So what was I guess it's like the highest of highs I guess sitting in your own, um, what is a cockpit or. Yeah, we call it a cockpit. Um, it's, yeah, and it's really rough right now. It's just bare carbon. We haven't put any fancy leather or anything, but uh, it's kind of like one of those things about entrepreneurship. Uh, you know, when you accomplish something on on something on your own company or your own organization that you created from scratch, uh, that is probably like the highest high uh, in the world. For sure. And it works the other way too. Like lows are lower, highers are high. Uh, it's a roller coaster, but uh, it's super rewarding. That's super powerful to think about because you've been working at this for the last three years or two years or so. And having that cockpit, not done, but exist, um, must be something amazing. Yeah, it's crazy, uh, especially because, you know, uh, four or five months ago when when COVID really hit us hard, I, it started to look like, hey, this is never going to happen. Like uh, it wasn't, oh, yeah. you know, and then we came up with a plan and we made it happen. Uh, we found more followers. We kept the momentum going. That's really important uh, in any project. Always keep the momentum going. Um, that that can mean like, you know, keep pumping out content on social media, keep everyone updated. 
uh, keep working on it. Even if you don't have a lot of resources, there's other ways you can keep the momentum going. Um, I think I read something really uh, interesting recently um, in a more broader sense than just engineering. A lot of things follow the law of momentum. So yeah. regardless of if you're doing the small tasks and the things that you need to be doing every single day, you may not see those rewards in the next week or in the next month. But, you know, a year from now, that's when that one thing that you did, you know, a year ago, that's when the, you really see the, that impact. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think, I mean, yeah, uh, the greatest things in life take time and uh, you have to put in the work every single day. Uh, and it's really exciting, really, that people want to see you put in the work every single day. So you, you, now you're not alone. You have all these people following you and encouraging you. And uh, uh, you start to get people writing you emails, telling you, you know, oh, that's really cool. Um, and also you, you kind of like show away to other people with similar ambitious goals that, hey, you know, this is possible. And, you know, the whole thing is just a, a cycle. And yeah. Yeah. And I guess people can actually come in a, they can buy a Watt Fly flying car right now, can't they? Or reserve one? Yeah. So we, you can pre-order right now. Um, we're doing limited quantity pre-orders, uh, but I think we, we still have some left. Um, and if you pre-order now, it's the special founders edition and you, you're one of the first 20 people to receive your aircraft and you also get invited to the first flight, which, which is going to happen in October. But yeah. Uh, oh, October. October. Uh, yeah, oh, man. Yeah. You guys are moving quick. Well, we have to, if, if we don't do it by October or yeah, October, uh, winter is going to get here. We're in Canada. It's harsh. So you're If you don't fly by October, you have to wait pretty much till next year. Or fly indoors, which is kind of lame. Uh, <laughs> we can't really, I mean, the border, I think it's kind of close. So yeah, it's just, ideally we fly <laughs> by October. That's funny. And if I'm not mistaken, I think when we talked once, you said you're kind of scared of heights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's actually my co-founder who's like a, a huge fan of this. Um, yeah. And he's going to be flying for the first time. Uh, I'll go later. That's funny. That's very cool. Things, you know, our first concept, uh, if you go on our website, wildfly.ca, you can kind of see that you're always sitting down. Uh, and, you know, even when the wing transitions from vertical to horizontal flight, you're still sitting down because the cockpit is gimbal. Yep. Uh, you're never looking down. So our first concept, you actually would uh, walk into the aircraft and it would uh, go from vertical to horizontal. So you would be looking straight down into the ground. Uh, and I thought that was terrible. That was like worst idea ever. Um, and, you know, talking to customers, yeah, I'm not the only one scared of heights. Um, <laughs> you have to change that. Uh, another startup team always talk to your customers. Yeah. I mean, and I'm guessing that'll all be live streamed your first flight. Yeah. Um, or at least on video. If it, the live stream will probably be only for pre-orders. Okay. Yeah. And then later on, um, you can sign up to get a video of it. Yeah. Cool. So, something that, yeah. Man. So uh, I think we can kind of relate to that for us, especially developing our phone model in this next month. And then all of that, that whole timeline is, you know, very short. And I guess we're kind of on a similar path here with you guys trying to roll out this aircraft in October. Yeah. Um, like we, we always operate on crazy timelines. So the, the first two feet wingspan drone, we did it in a week. Uh, then the uh, eight feet wingspan drone, uh, we did it in like two weeks. Uh, and then this one, we're doing it in two months. 
Um, and the, the whole idea is you wanna iterate as fast as possible. And again, this is something that we're borrowing from, from software. You wanna iterate as fast as possible. Um, you wanna have exposure to your customers as fast as possible. Uh, so you want to have an aircraft that people can fly and they can tell you what they like, what they don't like, um, and kind of like iterate as fast as possible. Uh, so, so that's the whole principle of, um, that we're following. And I think a lot of hardware companies are doing the exact same thing now. So yeah, the faster you fail, the faster you can improve. Yeah. It, as long it, as you do it safely. <laughs> uh, yeah. I wouldn't call it failing. That's why I wasn't, I wasn't going to say fail. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, you do want to iterate as fast as possible and you want to learn, you know, um, Again, you guys were talking about Elon Musk. I was telling you about how I'm more of a Steve Jobs fan and Steve yep. Jobs whole thing was like, I know what customers want, but there's very few people in the world that can do that. For the rest of us, we're kind of running experiments to see what customers want. Mm -hmm. um, so the rate at which you run these experiments uh, determines how fast you can learn and how fast you can improve. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's why you know, moving fast is so important. So what is your advice for us I guess in the next year, cause we're trying to do the same thing, but in terms of our like student knowledge and the fact that we're all in school, how can we continue to iterate fast? Cause I know the summer was when I came on the project, we barely had a model. We barely had an idea for a design. Yeah. And now we have something that might be, or a phone model that'll be finished, I guess, by the end of September. Is that right, Colin? Mid September uh we're hoping to fly the week of september 14th so that's the same week as we launch our indiegogo campaign we'll be uh launching our aircraft as well so that's exciting wow that's awesome yeah stressful week it's not going to be a very enjoyable week for me <laughs> but i'll be very happy for that week to be over but uh, september when september 14th that's september. a monday Mark your Congress. all right so that's our the launch of our indiegogo go go campaign and then um, on September 15th, Minos lands in Oklahoma. And then as soon as he gets here, he gets off the plane. We're hitting the ground running and um, getting some aircraft up in the air as fast as possible. And uh, if you guys don't know who Minos Park is, he's our avionics lead. Um, he is what we call the wizard <laughs> on Project Boom. And he literally makes everything happen. Um, and are you guys live streaming it? We will um, definitely be taking video documentation of it so there'll be lots of that online so keep an eye out for that cool. and we're looking into doing to doing a live stream as well um at some point during that week make sure to have a onboard uh camera that's always the best yes, fpv camera we're definitely gonna put at least a gopro or something on it like that yeah um so i would say that you know yeah startups need to eat trade uh, uh you guys uh you're different because you know your goal is to kind of like break this speed barrier uh the sound barrier and that's kind of like your customer in a way um so so you just need to iterate uh to, to risk it and to improve your odds of success basically um yeah so so you you i, I love what you're doing by the way of like breaking it into two phases where first you have a you know it's kind of like a cheaper scale prototype made out of foam yeah kind of like you risk all systems except you know and then you kind of like you risk propulsion on the ground and then I guess you put it all together and go fly it. Well, yeah, it was actually, it's almost three phases now because we'll do our foam models and we'll continue to do foam models for weeks and weeks. Um, and then after that, we'll, when we're still doing propulsion and then we'll build our subsonic aircraft or high subsonic aircraft. So like yeah. 500 miles an hour. And then 
that won't even go supersonic. So we'll fly that aircraft, learn everything from that. And then from there, we'll build another aircraft as our supersonic aircraft. So yeah, we're breaking it into little chunks so that we can learn with each one. Yeah, that, that's super cool. Um, I mean, yeah, that, that's amazing. Uh, and to do that all in, like you said, what's, when are you going to be flying? Like, so the whole project is a year and a half pretty much. And we're yeah. going to fly supersonic um, the end of 2021 or beginning of 2022. Mm-hmm. And then um, fly high subsonic in the summer of 2021. So okay. we are about a year away from flying high subsonic, probably like more like 10 months, nine months away from flying high subsonic. I remember the first time we talked, you had a, you, you said something even crazier, but yeah, this, this time uh, seems realistic uh, to it's, me. Uh, yeah, it was, so the goal was to go supersonic in 2021, the summer, which is an insane timeline whenever we've never built or flown an aircraft. So um, yeah. kudos to our engineering team. They uh, kind of realized the insanity of that. And I have okay. somewhere. First time we talked, you were like, oh, yeah, we're going to be flying supersonic in a year, uh, and it's going to take us $40,000, and that's it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I've learned and grown since then. <laughs> Thank you for not walking away when I said that, because yeah. um, it's definitely going to be a lot more than that, like north of $100,000, which is a yeah, lot of money. Sure. A lot of uh, money, but uh, it's very yeah, I remember, you know, when I was first started my submarine racing team, I, I was like, oh, yeah, this will only take like $20,000 in a year. And like, yeah, no, it took, <laughs> we, we were probably off by a factor of five. <laughs> <laughs> we're always optimistic, aren't we, I guess. Well, it's really important to be optimistic. And yeah, it, it's, it's the only way. Um, and that's, that's why I think there's people that are cut out for, to start things. And there's people who are cut out to like, kind of like maintain things. And, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a mindset. Yeah. I think, I think honestly, it's beneficial for someone that's starting off kind of being naive like that, because if someone to tell me like, this is going to take you a year and a half of 40 hours a week and $200,000, I would have been like, all right, well, um, no, never mind. But because I thought it was going to be a little easier than it definitely is. Um, learning that slowly rather than all up front <laughs> helps, but it's not a game breaker, but it definitely helps. And I think that's what a lot of people do too. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like, even if it takes, you know, half a million, uh, it's still way cheaper than what it would take any large company to pull this off. Uh, and you will find that it's not even that hard to get that much money. Yeah. Once the momentum going, um, at some point, at some point we'll do a, um, labor analysis. It's, it's very hard for a project like us to track labor, but the amount of hours that have gone into this, like for reference, we've sent 35,000 messages in our Slack and we're pretty much to the point where we're five to 10,000 messages a week. Um, so that's a kind of a, gives you a sense of how much people are working on this. Our labor, if you charge like normal engineering wages would be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, of course you can afford to have all these people because, you know, yeah, no- but they're all volunteers and that's, what's kind of the benefit of us. I think, you know, if you were a startup, you would probably pick, you know, out of all your organization, like if you were to transition to being a startup, you would probably within your organization, you know, pick the uh, 10 best performers and bring those with you uh, and have sure. that like your special forces. Yeah. And that's the whole, we don't have to play by ru- any rules thing is like, because we don't have to worry about that. We can have, 190 people working on the project because we yeah. pay them and they, they find value in it other ways but it gives you a taste of what hiring is like uh you know, <laughs> in the real world it's really hard to find these people who are like really driven and will just find a way and like will like work uh themselves around barriers uh 
those engineers are really hard to find. So uh, yeah. whenever you find one, you have to uh, make friends with them. I, so leading this project has taught me a lot about how good it is, how to be a good employee or someone working under someone. And I think if anybody's ever like, just like, why do they want value you? Or like, why do companies want you to be in a leadership position? I think one, like leadership skills are good, but also like being a leader teaches you how to be a good employee because, um, or not leader, but someone under a leader working for a leader. Because like for me specifically, like I found so much value. Like if I ask someone to do something once, like if I say something like, Hey, I want this done in a week and they bring it to me in a week. Like that is so valuable in a trait as an individual because the person that you're working under has so much else on their mind. Um, if they don't have to remind you about something that they ask you to do, um, that's huge value. Um, and like you're saying, someone that's driven and it's um, hard to find. We have a lot of those people on our team. Um, yeah. We're so lucky to have that. But Right. Yeah. I think one of the, the biggest reasons why um, Project Boom can succeed is because if you look at any company and you're the founder and you've started this thing, your, your job is, or your association to the company is at such a higher degree, right? Cause that's the thing that you're trying to make happen. And what you have to realize is you're essentially working for your employees because your job is to make sure that their goals are satisfied, but they're not going to have that same level of intrinsic um, connection to the ultimate company goal right because they have other things to worry about they have families they have you know they have hobbies they have other things as well so you, you end up like working for your employees right that's the real job of a leader i think i also think that's uh why it's uh you know when you're in school when you're in university or college i, I think that's like the one of the best times in your life to try new things like what you guys are doing um First of all, like you can probably recruit just by talking to people in your classroom and it's probably full of like super young and bright people who are really motivated and highly driven. And then you're also, in, in terms of their time, you're probably competing against uh, beer uh, and like going out with your friends or something like that. You're not competing against like Google paying them like twice as much as what you can pay them. <laughs> it's kind of like really easy to like get them to work with you because like hey you're like this is super cool uh, it, it's going to help you in your career and so on um so yeah and as a student you have access to all these people and then the resources like kind of like everyone wants to help you i think you're you're kind of like finding that out now that all these companies kind of like want to help you because it helps them too to help you um so yeah like when you're in university it's a, it's a great time to experiment with with new ideas like this for sure yeah 100 percent and also, like, if you want to start a startup, you should, you should probably also start playing with that idea when you're in university. It's yeah. by far, I think, like one of the best environments to um, kind of like prove something new. Yeah, right. it's a proving ground essentially. hundred um, percent. And one thing, Gonzalo, I wanted to ask is, so with Project Boom now, we're taking our, I guess, the second step. Our phase, I would say, you know, if we break our progress in, the summer was like that Kickstarter phase. Um, but now as we're heading into face some of the real, the more real stuff like funding, what advice do you have for us in terms of how we can, uh, you know, up that game? Yeah. I mean, um, so like, like seeing project boom as an outsider, um, I'm just going to trust that you guys are really smart and can pull this off. Uh, you know, just after the town hall, I have no doubt you can pull it off. Uh, 
So I now kind of like see you guys as, as a marketing company. Um, you're building all these aircrafts. Um, you're going to make Shiva cry. You just called us a marketing company. He's so excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's true. I think you're a marketing company. Um, obviously, the engineer needs to be there, but you're a marketing company for the most part, and you should be, you know, walking people through all of it, pumping content here and there uh, every day. I'm telling you, everyone wants to see what you're doing. Um, and if you're not getting a thousand likes, that's because you, you haven't reached enough people. But, you know, once you reach more people, you'll find out that, you know, everyone's interested. Uh, this is so cool. And it's been done by students. It's insane. Uh, yeah. And then I, I would kind of like build a brand as a, as a organization. And I would also build you guys um, personal brands. That's, that's what I was telling you guys earlier earlier that for Wattfly. Um, so right now, I think we're doing like 3,000 unique monthlies on our website. Um, and then we convert a number of those to pre-orders. But the important thing is that out of those, those people that make it up through on our website, 60% uh, come through my personal social media. So, so that's really powerful. I think now more than ever, people are looking for individuals to follow. So yeah, Project Boom is awesome, but you know, we also wanna hear about the people behind it because um, it's really inspiring. Right, and that's definitely something that I, that's the world that I'm in, especially with marketing. Yeah. Developing your, and I, I know personal brand gets used a lot, but it's essentially your, your reputation that people uh, see you as, and, or even your knowledge and insight that people come to you for. Like the only reason why I follow Tori Bruno, who is the CEO of ULA on, on Twitter is because I love to see his wacky comments or even answers aerospace questions to whoever asks them. Um, and like that with project boom, I'm totally with you. The ideology of every, each one of us having that brand, um, and encompassing, uh, an individual brand as well as project booms. Um, so I'm totally with that. I, I'm completely on board that we are definitely a, a marketing company as well as a student led design team. Yeah, man. Like I, I bet Tori Bruno would love to, uh, hear about you guys and, uh, maybe even be at the podcast. Yeah. Uh, if anybody knows Tori Bruno, um, or if Tori Bruno is listening to this, we'd love to talk to you. Um, yeah, uh, you know, one of the hardest things of being like both a marketing company and an engineering company is that for some reason, I think most engineers don't like to share uh, every single thing uh, or the steps uh, publicly. Uh, they, they only like to share the final product uh, and they think like, oh, no one wants to see the process. Um, so that's something that I've had a, a really hard time like convincing people of. Um, because a lot of times it's a perfectionist thing, right? You yeah. Don't want people to see the, the, the jagged edges. Yeah. Which, but you know, you can use this to your advantage because like there's so many few people doing it that you're going to stick out. Um, there is a whole industry on YouTube now, like a whole genre based on SpaceX, like weekly updates. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And like people like there's a person that flies their plane over Boca Chica every week and does updates to update like what they've changed about the plant and people like one are going on their patreon and supporting it because they want to see they're watching all these youtubers that are making videos every week uh, i watch it personally because right. it's so cool to see the progress because you and didn't. if you guys uh don't know boca chica texas is where the uh spacex is building starship which is their next launch vehicle and it looks like a, <laughs> a brain silo <laughs> it's like yeah it looks like a water tank or something. It's, it's, yep. so it's insane. Uh, and they like, kind of like just, well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of engineering behind it, but it kind of looks like they just welded some stainless steel panels together. They, engines and that's it. 
I mean, the first one literally was that. They literally just, like, out in the open, not in a, like, closed-off area. They just welded a whole bunch of metal together in a water tank style. The first one was actually made by, um, I believe, a water tank manufacturing company. Like, they oh, yeah. literally just reached out to those people and were like, hey, you want to help us build a rocket? <laughs> <laughs> Which is insane. Yeah. I don't know if you guys ever been to uh, Hawthorne in California. So, uh, it's in LA. It, this the SpaceX office and also the boring company's office um, and the Tesla studio. And then you, you kind of get you, outside of SpaceX, they have a, one of the rockets kind of like landed with, with the legs out. It's yep. so crazy. Like just the scale of this thing. And that's just Falcon nine. Uh, the new stuff they're building at Boca Chica. I can't imagine like that just blows my mind. Yeah. I think never... with SpaceX, um, they, even though they've been a company for how many, what was it Colin? Since 2002. Just right. They still, I feel like they still embody that startup mentality. 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. They've, they've done a cool balance of like how they're able to almost divide their company into like legacy style versus startup or more legacy style. Cause I wouldn't call it like their Falcon nine launch vehicle and everything. Like they've built it. And now that's just like their workhorse and they're doing it. They're not necessarily innovating on it, it anymore. Um, but and then they move over and then they have Starship, which is like the crazy, extreme, innovative item um, on them. So they have like the two sides of the company. And I think that's what's really cool. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Like <laughs> I, I, I would still work at SpaceX. Like if they ever change their ITAR policy, I'll apply. <laughs> ah, I know. Ooh, ITAR always gets you. Yeah. As we wrap up today's show, there's also one thing I really... Um, Gonzalo, when we, I guess, started connecting with you, one thing you said was uh, about Project Boom was comparatively, they're achieving a lot with a nanoparticle of resources and there's a risk benefit asymmetry with these kind of student-led ventures that could be scaled to bigger and more ambitious projects. Yeah. As if a student uh, supersonic drone is not ambitious enough. I think that really struck a chord with me in just thinking about the scale of Project Boom um, so I'm really glad to uh, have you kind of on the team and as someone who's done something like this before and somebody who's doing insane things with Wafi right now. Yeah, we're, we're so grateful for you, Gonzalo. Um, you've been a great supporter of the team and given us some really good advice. And yeah, I mean, I, I really meant that message. message. Uh, it's something that I, like if you, if you go back on, on my Twitter, I, I, I've been talking about these for a while and then you guys were like the perfect example out of nowhere. It's like, look, these guys are like literally what I was saying. Like <laughs> you, you can achieve so much with so little, um, you try. Um, and you have all this team. Um, we're kind of like always also proving the same thing, point with Wattfly, but we're a smaller team. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's, it's so great to see kind of like maybe the, maybe I, I would call it the new generation of, of engineering in a way um, that, you know, we, we kind of do things differently and we're, we're more scrappy and, um, we're very, very driven. Um, so yeah, I, I love what you guys are doing. Scrappy. I love that word. I've used that a lot for our team because I think it's kind of has a negative connotation of being like scrappy, but I think it's like in the engineering world, it's like a very good thing to be because um, people will like want to imagine things as like you see in the movies when it's engineering where it's like a perfect lab and everything's like set up really nice. Right. But you don't need that to build something really cool. And honestly, sometimes that's a detriment. Like, you just need to put stuff together and just do it and then do it over and over and over and iterate. Like you said. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. And 
you know, you, you say it, it makes sense, but people still don't do it. You still have companies not doing it. You still have people uh, going by the old means and kind of like doesn't make sense. Uh, so yeah, I really want to see what happens, uh, how things change uh, in the next five, 10 years. Uh, I think, uh, I think people that are really scrappy are going to get ahead and it's just going to catch on. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully I'll be flying around in a what fly flying car someday. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Hey, um, just to wrap things up, I can't wait to see what happens in this new generation. And I'm more excited to see uh, our phone model launch and tested in September 14th. And I'm even more excited to hear about how your guys' uh, you know, demo goes with the first Wattfly flying car in October. October, yeah. It's happening. <laughs> yep. All right. So, Gonzalo, where can the audience find you and interact with you on the internet? Yeah, best place, uh, well, you can go to watfly.ca, uh, so w-a-t-f-l-y.ca, or uh, I'm on Twitter, I am getmeflyingcars, that's my username, or on Instagram, I'm also getmeflyingcars. Uh, yeah, or just a Google, like, uh, flying car salesman, and that's me. <laughs> wow, that's an awesome handle. Yeah, uh, I, I can't believe it was free, like, yeah. <laughs> You didn't ha even have to put any numbers at the end of that. Yeah, I know. That's awesome. Well, uh, guys, in terms of Project Boom, Colin and I and the rest of our team will be working to get our phone model up and running and iterate and test and run our model over and over again because I think the underlying motto is just iterate as much as we can. In the next few weeks, we will be giving you all that and more. You can find us at our new newly designed website completely finished it's at www.theprojectboom.org and if you would like to find me and colin the the blah blah, blah, blah. hey allison can you edit this out <laughs> keep <laughs> it in allison <laughs> if you'd like to find me and colin those links are all in the show notes thank you for having us on the podcast today. I've been Shiva Valbanani with Colin Watson and Project Boom signing off. <laughs>